This episode is brought to you by TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com is your all access to culture. Check out cultural merchandise like leggings, hats, mini boxing gloves and bags. Also t-shirts like hip-hop, nature, rock bands, reggae and dark fantasy. Fast shipping worldwide. That's TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com Now let's check out this episode. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really special guest in the building. Listen, this lady here has a two fire tracks right now. Plus, she has an upcoming mixtape and an EP coming out sooner rather than later. You know we have in the building today? We have Miss Naomi Cowan in the building today. What's going on, my sister? Well, go on. Thank you for having me, Dea. <laughs> All right. Thank you so very much for joining us on the Entertainment Report podcast today. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. You know, Toronto is like a second home for me. And so I, you know, I always want to reconnect. And when I say reconnect, I just always want to know, let that city know that it played a big role in who I am. I don't know if you, like a lot of people don't know this, but I actually have the CN Tower tattooed right here. Wow. Can you see it? Oh, she's, you see it? Yes. Yes. Eight, seven, six, and then the CN So enough times people see it and they're like, is that a needle, like a drug needle? I was like, okay, wait, 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 first of all. But I I think I eventually go into, um, this camera is like backwards, but I think eventually I want to maybe like put the skyline, Mm -hmm. you know, and add to it. So it feels a little bit more, cause like, I mean, unless you're from Toronto, or you, you know the CN Tower, it's like, they're like, oh, that's a cool needle. And they kind of get weird about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, since you brought it, what was it that you liked about Toronto so much made you even put a tattoo of the CN Tower on you? Yeah, I mean, is uh, a couple of things. I mean, what I love about Toronto is, is this, in terms of what it gives you, right? So because I come from Jamaica, well, the whole island has 3 million people. Mm-hmm. So it's very small. I do believe the whole city of Toronto has about that amount of people, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what I love about Toronto. It gives you the, the bigness and the diversity of like a New York, right? But because it's smaller, you feel at home. Like it, it reminds me of home in that way. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, because it's so diverse, um, you the the Toronto culture itself has become its own separate culture. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like there's a distinctive Torontonian culture that now exists as a result of all of our grandparents and parents moving from different countries. Mm -hmm. And once again, that's like, you know, that's what Jamaica is. Jamaica, you know, there's no, like our our original people, Mm -hmm. you know, or our natives all died. I don't know if a lot of people know this, like as a Jamaican, I'm really from Africa. So Jamaica is basically the same. What happened is, you know, these white people came in, took over the place, killed off our Aboriginal people. And then we know as blacks, as Asians, as Lebanese, as, you know, all of these different people from different countries moved to Jamaica and created what, not what we now know as Jamaican culture. So I think Toronto just offers a lot of that. And um, on top of that, I think, I think also like it was just a place where I was really able to like delve into who I want to be as an artist and as a creative. And those 
significant moments of me making certain decisions and whatever, like I, I attach that to being in that place. So that is also why it's, it's pretty special to me. Definitely great, great explanation. And especially when you came here, not even just to visit, when you live here, you understand how diversified we are and how so many different cultures, as you said, creates one big culture named a Torontonian. You understand? I mean, yeah. I mean, funny enough, I do think that the Jamaican culture is still kind of like... <laughs> The Jamaican culture is still like the leading culture in Toronto. Like what people identify as Toronto vibes. Honestly, when you really look at it, it's like it's Jamaicans. But that's just how we are too. We go somewhere, we move somewhere and we stand out. And you can't deny that a Jamaican is there or has been there. No, I, I agree with you 100%. All right. Well, on this program here, what we generally like to do, we like to take it right from the beginning and then bring it up right here to 2021. So my first oh, question. Oh, God. Is, don't worry. Just listen. I got you. I have okay. a roadmap. I got you 100%. Okay. Okay. okay let's see. <laughs> All right. First question for you is this. What part of Jamaica did you grow up in? And what was the first artistic thing that you discovered about yourself? Wow. Well, I grew up, some people call where I grew up halfway tree, and then some people call where I grew up New Kingston. But I grew up um, in the middle of like the busiest part of Kingston, right? So I grew up off of a road called Oxford Road. Mm -hmm. And you actually don't even realize that people live there because it's a lot of businesses, a lot of, you know, gas station, banks, you know, hotels, whatever. But there's some little tucked away places. So yeah, I grew up on a street called Gallery Way. And it was just a, um, a like a scheme, you know, just of townhouses. And um, that's where I grew up. I was born and raised there. And, you know, me and all my brothers and sisters all went through that house at some point in time, okay. you know, and um, I'm the youngest of seven siblings. So that's why I say all my brothers and sisters. So not at every point in time were we all together, but. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the first artistic thing, wow. What's the question? The first artistic thing I realized. Yeah, you discovered about yourself because I know you wear many hats when it comes to the arts. So I want to know yeah, what sure, the sure. first one you discovered about yourself. Man, that's so hard because I feel like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm going to have to say maybe it's just singing because I always loved performing, right? I, I can't think of a time when I wasn't finding a way to perform, even if it wasn't for anybody else, even just to myself in the mirror, you know what I mean? So um, I know that because the voice is so important to me and the voice, you know, even as children, like babies and stuff like that's one of the first things they discover is their voice and like they make noise and whatever. So I'm, I'm probably gonna have to say, it would probably be, be singing. And also because I grew up around the music, so it was so easy to learn how to sing. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And did you know from Jump that your parents were into the music business or you just figured everybody's house was like, like? <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew that they were obviously in music, in music and I knew that they were in a specific industry. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I realized that my upbringing was different until maybe high school. Meaning... But it seemed, I, I realized two things. I realized my upbringing was different on two different levels. Mm -hmm. First, you realize that, wait, like not everybody 
did certain things or went to certain places or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's weekends looked like what my weekends looked like. But I'm not gonna lie, when I went when I got to high school, um, that's when I also realized that like my parents were not necessarily the richest people. I, you know, growing up, you think your mom and dad, they're like, they have we're rich. Like I thought we were rich, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when I get to high school and I went to a very good school in Jamaica, but you know, there was just kids there with parents that did other professions. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Oh, this person's driver. They they have a you know, I had a I definitely had a driver growing up. But you know, he just he drove a little thing. But you know, and then my my friends like their drivers are coming for them in Mercedes and like <laughs> and I'm just like I was like, okay, so I see where it gets real. And then on top of that, um, when my parents decided to go into gospel music, the money actually changed. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so then I no longer had a driver, and it's just my mom picking me up, you know, and once again, my parents did well. But I think it's when I got to like a certain stage, I was like, hold on, like this world is not no joke, you know? <laughs> so that fantasy, you know, the reality of, of, of just life kind of hit at that point in time. But one of the things that um, even as, as, as I talk to more people and you get to know people in general, you do realize that there was a lot that was different. Meaning um, we just had a lot of adventures. You know, one of the things that this, industry offers you is, is adventure you you just get to go places meet people that you would never meet in a regular childhood so i would never trade that for anything you know what i'm saying I, I looked at my passport the other day and like actually i found my first passport and like i've been traveling from like before i turned one you know mm-hmm. like my first stamp right so i just mm-hmm. i just think about those things and and i just think it's such a privilege and even like being able to witness greatness um, at such a in close proximity to greatness, I, I realized that. But once again, I wouldn't have known any different, like as a child. But you know, being able to sit side stage and watch Maxi Priest perform, or you know, like people like that, being able to just just be there and watch them, Papa San, Junior Toko, you know, what I'm saying like that that JC Lodge, like that's not normal. You know, so I, um, it was very different and, and I only realized it as, as I said, like, as you, you know, become more socialized and you, you get an idea of other people's lives and, and how their lives work. So that makes sense. So then now you're, you're growing up, you realize, you really realize what your parents are doing and stuff. How did that influence you? Did you actually want to run in the same direction or did you want to run away from what they were doing? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to run away. Um, I think like seeing what this industry is made of and um, I think how negative it can get. I definitely ran away from it or the idea. I ran away from the idea of it. Meaning I just kind of used to be like, people say like, oh, can you sing or do you sing? I'm like, no, no, no. I used to just brush it off, right? But at the end of the day, what was I doing in my private time? I was singing, you know? What would I do when I'm like at my happiest? I would be singing. What would I do when I'm at my lowest? I'll be listening to music. So I did run away from it and I tried to run away from it, but it just didn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. It didn't work. You see, I understand that because I know when I looked on your LinkedIn profile, it said that you had LinkedIn. 15, LinkedIn. <laughs> All oh, right. Jesus, you're it's a researcher. You <laughs> I'm going to deactivate that. What the hell? <laughs> Listen, it said you had. I think 15 different job positions. All right. <laughs> so, okay. 
yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I know since you were a kid, you were I'm a ball so, of energy. I'm so embarrassed right now. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, but this is, you're going to understand why all of that means something. Because that's okay. why I asked you if you were trying to run away. Because clearly trying so many different things, you're trying to find out where does Naomi fit into this big world here. That's you very understand? insightful. That's very insightful. And you're right. Mm -hmm. Oh, I appreciate that. I like that. Thank you. What was okay before we even get into your singing? Out of all of these stuff that you tried, which was the one that you thought was the closest to made you feel like who you are today? Yeah, yeah. No, the, the the thing that was closest to me actualizing or feeling like you know I was in the center or in in Jamaica was in Ayaki, you know, just doing what you really love to do was definitely television presenting, mm -hmm. um, because. It was one of the things I loved doing as a kid was pret pretending to be a news reporter, mm -hmm. you know? So it, it was one of the, that was a dream I was really chasing super hardcore. I mean, I've auditioned for much music so many times, man, you know? And, um, and it's so funny because somehow it was, I just never got booked. I didn't understand it. And maybe that was God, you know, cause they would call me, they're like, Hey, we want you to come in and read Hey, you want you to come in. And it's just like, how many times am I going to come in? Like, you know, <laughs> um, so I, um, yeah, that was the one thing and I still enjoy it. Like I still, you know, like every so often I'll do a hosting thing. So for example, when the Buju, the, the first Buju concert took place, they invited me to do the live stream. Right. Um, and, and that was awesome. And I, I, one year I did, well, not like two years ago, I did Shaggy and friends backstage, backstage concert. And that was dope. So I still do it cause I still enjoy it. And I'm actually really good at it. You know, um, but I realized that, that by choosing that as my only path, I was still betraying myself. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the hardest part is the self-betrayal. For sure, because you could lie to everybody else. You could run away from everybody else. But when it comes to you in your quietest moments at that, you hey. always feel this thing gnawing at your heart. It's like, you know, you're good at that. But yes. this is really where you're supposed to be. Yeah, so it's, you just, you put your thing, listen, man, you defined it perfectly. Like I have a note, I don't know if it's still in this phone, but mm -hmm. I have so many notes saved in, in my iCloud notes, just like, I'm trying to see if I can find the first one. Mm -hmm. It's not here, but I know it's in my email, but I, I would just like word dump, you know, whenever I would just be feeling tormented and torn. Mm -hmm. um, just like, what am I doing? I need to go from my default to my destiny and I need to, you know, so, so you're right. It's in those moments by yourself mm -hmm. when it's the heaviest, you know, and, and when you really have conversations with yourself, like, what am I doing? You know, and what do I want in, in 40, 50 years? Like, what do I want to be said at my funeral? What do I want to be, you know, like those kind of things start to, to really cause you to face yourself a little mm -hmm. bit more. For sure. I totally, I totally, totally agree with that. Yeah. Okay. You did your news reporting. You did so you did a lot of stuff, even apps with Rogers. You did a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. So <laughs> then at what point did you say, okay, I'm gonna turn off everything else and dive head and do this into music? Yeah. Yeah. It was actually uh, I guess maybe probably four years ago now. It's just so crazy to think about, but it was in um I think it was 2017. Mm -hmm. So I had this job at a startup in Toronto. It was a fintech startup. So it was a financial company that was doing like, you know, wealth management and stuff um, on the internet, obviously. And um, 
the funniest thing, it was like a decent paying job. Actually, like my first, like when I first took the job, it was like 60K a year, which is really good. Mm-hmm. You know, like coming out of college and stuff like that. And um, so I get the job. So I'm like, ah, okay, dope. Like, you know, I actually like, I even found a new apartment with some friends. I was living on Beverly Street, right off of Queen, okay. right? <laughs> I mean, it was it was it wasn't a condo, but a nice spot. It was such a beautiful place. Like, I still know the girls that live in the place now, cause like we wanted to make sure we kept it within like our friendship group. Um, so found a dope place, you know, and I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, telling myself like this is a good start to a you know whatever, like building a life and whatever the case is. And then at the same time, take this job, start a job, and then my dad actually needed um, surgery. Mm-hmm. He needed surgery and we had to go down to Miami. Well, he had to, he was doing the surgery in Miami and I decided to fly down to join him. And um, thankfully the procedure, even though it was a major surgery, he caught everything early. So they were able to take care of it. And, but it was that, ex, you know, that experience was very like, it made me really look at his life. Right. And, and what he's accomplished and what is he leaving behind and stuff like that. And that kind of got my brain going. Um, during this time now, I was singing a lot at church. So I was not, it wasn't like I wasn't singing, but I was just doing it, you know, at church and it's comfortable and safe and, you know, and then, um, when I came back, so here it is, I go to, so I go to Miami, dad has this surgery, come back. As soon as I come back from this trip, um, the guys I was working for, you know, long story short, they weren't firing me. They didn't fire me, but basically like they realized they didn't have you know, enough budget for my position. So they still wanted me to work there, but they had to lower my salary. So I'm like, oh crap, you know, because here it is like, I, I mean, I did, thankfully the new rent wasn't that expensive, but still I had planned that, okay, I could afford this rent and save and I could, you know, so that was a huge, that was a huge shift because um, I thought I was in a good place. So that experience combined with the fragility of what I witnessed with my dad going through what he went through, it just caused me to realize that like nothing is guaranteed and nothing is promised. Sure. You see me? So I was just like, what is the point? I saw, it really caused me to start to dig deeper. Like what is the point of what we're all doing? What's the point of getting a degree and going, getting a job if, if it can be changed so quickly? I mean, I knew that, you know, working in a startup as well, it's a bit more volatile. It's a bit more fragile. Like there's changes, companies can close in one day, but still like that sucked. Right. And, um, yeah. And I remember the salary got dropped to like 45 or something like that. So it's a big haircut. That's a big haircut. And so I was just basically making ends meet at that point in time. Like when I, the first salary, I was able to, cover my expenses and then have change. You see me? Whereas once this had come into play, when I was realistic with everything, you know what I'm saying? Like with apartment transit, freaking what's the light building going I have there? What name again? Um, what's that called? Hydro. 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 Yeah, yeah. Right. Toronto so hydro. And I'm the Jamaican, so I'm always cold in the place. So the hydro bill is like way up. You know what I'm saying? Like it's me around yeah. the hydro bill. Man, I tell you that. Me, I run up the hydro bill. So, because it wasn't a condo, hydro wasn't including. So, when you live in a condo, that's including. Anyway, so all of these things. Are, so, basically, you know, I get this huge haircut. Life and death situation just happened. And I just started to really pre myself and say, well, what do you want out of this life? What do you want out of 
this, like your body, your gift, all of the, the things that you've been given. And I realized that I was really running away from, I was running away. And even more so like my, I, 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 if I showed you a, I'm not gonna lie, like if I showed you a picture of myself, like you wouldn't maybe not recognize me because I was unhappy mm -hmm. deep down. Like I was happy with my life, but I was unhappy deep down. So like, I, you know, not to say that people who are a little bit bigger are not happy. Let me just establish that. But for my body size and what I'm usually like, I was just like much bigger than I usually am. And I, and in is looking back, I realized that it was just like my body was just holding on to weight because of what I was not releasing. And what I was not releasing was my music and myself as an artist. Does that make sense? It's like my body was responding to all of that suppression. It so, makes a hundred percent sense because it's like you're happy with your life, but you know in your heart you're not fulfilling your purpose. There you go. Ooh, pasta. Okay. <laughs> my priest. Well, listen, when when I was a kid, that what was the offering? first thing I wanted to be. The offering. We take PayPal. I don't have cash. Money, pull up. We don't take Jamaican. We take Canadian. Thank you. Hey, this is two two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Okay. Money, so pull up for the pasta. Thank you anyway, so very um, much. So then 2017 but, is when you started to say, okay, let me walk this musical path now. Well, basically that, yeah, that's when I moved. I moved. Mm -hmm. I moved back here to Jamaica. And how long were you in Toronto for? Um, maybe three years, three, four years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so all of that happened. And I just said, you know, if, if it's not, it's now or never, <laughs> I mean, I, you're, you know, you're perfectly positioned that to, to make that kind of decision when you don't have kids, you don't got no, no relationship, no marriage, no mortgage, da, 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 da. you may as well just do it. Yeah. And, um, I just had to do it because if I, you know, true, I mean, th I'm also a Canadian citizen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not like you can never go back. You know, I'm not going to get kicked out of the country. I mean, you know, maybe I'm going to have to apply again for OHIP and them kind of things. But otherwise, you know, so I realized that I had to do it if I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and the reason why I also came back to Jamaica was, I mean, because I could have pursued music in Toronto too. But I think because of the legacy in my family and stuff like that, I wanted to be sure that I was present for, for this stage of my career. Mm -hmm. Like I would honestly, if, if Toronto wasn't fully locked down, I'd move back there in a heartbeat because I really love, I love living there. Okay. But, but what I would say is that I, I had to come home because you see in reggae and Caribbean and dancehall music and all of that stuff, there's a pulse that you can only access from being here. Mm -hmm. You cannot duplicate it. You cannot get it anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's, it's ultra important that, that I came home, especially to, 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 to receive in a different way from my parents. Because I remember now, prior to this, I wasn't trying to do music. So I wasn't really downloading certain things from them because I wasn't asking those questions. And they weren't going to force it on me. I wasn't having certain conversations. I wasn't in the studio as much. So, so, so even coming back here and even just like the, you know, the opportunities that I have to be in the studio and have my mom's input, like that's priceless. I, won't, I wouldn't get that if I didn't come back. So, so that's one of the reasons why I came back. I mean, but I'm, I'm, I mean, who knows where I'll be in another year? You know, I kind of have a vibe that I may be moving soon, but we'll see. But um, it was important for me to be home. And, and also, I think also important for, for me to share that decision with my country. 
mm-hmm. right? And and with people in the industry that I know played a role. So like, you know, now I have a relationship, a separate relationship with people in our industry that are, you know, legendary, you know, like Marcia Griffiths, like a messenger on Mother's Day, I call her like my second mom, you know what I'm saying? People like that, like, you know, those kind of things you don't get from, you have to be here for that. You have to be on the ground, touch the current, feel what's going on, taking the ear, feel the vibe. You have to go street dance, you have to go stage show, you have to go, you know, all of those things, like you have to, you have to be here for that. Mm -hmm. Especially in the early stage, you see, after it really takes off, then with the internet, with that type of stuff, you could do it from anywhere. But right now in the early stages, you want to absorb as much absorb as your soul. And then you're off. Yeah, man. And even little things like a studio. And even if you're not recording, but going to studio where other artists are spending time with them, just sitting down and reasoning, having conversations, just having a drink, like that kind of stuff is a big part of, of our musical culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like at any given moment, there's certain artists you could just call and be like, yo, wait up on and say, yo, you know, Samaria forward. And you just go and you just part. And, and you learn from each other in that way. And certain conversations can spark certain songs to be written too. You understand because it's everywhere. So then, okay, you came back home 2017. Would you say your first real song that you would put out would have been Paradise Plum? Well, I put out a song before that, actually. I had put out things, use a song um, featuring another Canadian artist. His name is Mark Pelly. And he's... Yeah, Mark Pelly from Magic. So we released a Rocksteady song called Things You Say You Love. Mm-hmm. And he produced that as well. So that was actually my first release, mm-hmm. you know. And um, But then, like, Paradise Plum is really the song that fueled and kind of really caused people to look and be like, who's this? Mm-hmm. You know, so give thanks for that. Give thanks for Paradise Plum. <laughs> yeah, all right. And when you actually release, so you, you said you put out the first song. Okay, it, it did okay. But then now when you put out Paradise Plum, what kind of traction that did, did that give you? And how did you feel actually putting out a song like that at that time there? Well, Paradise Plum, I really worked that song. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I give you the actual timeline, so Paradise Plum was probably released, like the song itself was released in, I think the spring, I'm going to say spring, but like around May 2018, mm-hmm. right? And then I just do a bunch of, I didn't have a video until October, 2018. Okay. So you're just working it all. I was working the song that whole time. And then after I put the video out, I, I went to New York. I, you know, funded my way to New York and booked some press interviews and stuff like that. And I got on like good day, New York, which is, you know, it was like a a pretty Mm -hmm. decent show and, and, and did all sorts of stuff there. And then it took me over into the following year when um, it got on the Reggae Gold album, you know? And then once again, we kept pushing Paradise Plum. So it, it took, to me, like that song had a life cycle of over like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And that's just because it's such a good song and, and it took time for traction to build it. It took time, it takes time for people to see you as well, you know, um, as an artist and be like, oh, who's this girl? You know, and still now people are still obviously like I don't feel like I've even fully tapped into certain audiences and people that I'd like to connect with. But all of that takes time. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Talking about interviews and stuff less. I remember one classical interview you did was the Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How did, 
How did that all connect? And I'll tell you something. Whoever placed all four of you guys in that room there, it's almost, it was like almost, it was meant to be because Charlemagne's here, you're beside him, Dovey's yeah. here, and then Angela Lee. You see, if you and Dovey had switched seats, it would have been a completely different. Yeah, movie. that's true, you know, because I... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think like I we just sat where we were supposed to sit. Like that part wasn't planned, right? Yeah. Um nope. that was an interesting interview. That's yes. all I have to say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you knew you were going on Breakfast Club, what was that like? Because we all know, especially people if you're in the entertainment, you know, when you're yeah. going to Breakfast Club, okay, something is gonna happen here. How did that feel going to Breakfast Club and what did it do for your career at that time there? Well, what's funny to be okay to tell you the truth, a couple of things. I know I am not an avid, I was not an avid breakfast club watcher. Okay. Before. So in other words, I've I so here's my one of my things is that I can I I'm very tunnel visioned in general as a person, right? So um, which is why I have to make an effort sometimes to like be aware as to what's going on. Cause wherever I'm at, I'm just there. That's just how I am. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I know, I knew of breakfast club and obviously like I've seen tons of clips, different artists, soldier boy, this, that, that, whatever. Mm -hmm. So when they told me, I never really connected the dots, but when they told me and then I looked it up, I was like, Oh no, they also wanted me to have done lip service, yes, which is Angela's other show. Uh -huh. And I told him, I was like, I'm not, not at a place <laughs> in my career. I want to go there just yet um so i said i said like can we ensure that breakfast club is like intelligent conversation we talk about politics can we talk about women's issues can we talk about music and culture and they're like yeah man no 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 breakfast club is like way more diverse over this that that whatever mm -hmm. so i was i mean when they said it i never really thought too much of it i never i mean i was excited but i wasn't like trying to think of what i was going to come in there with i was just for me i'm the kind of person i'm just very much like i'm just going to show up and be myself right so um but and and, and on top of that like obviously i knew dovey's music but i never really met her before um because what happened is we were both on the grace jerk festival show so it was just like like a co-promotion thing for all that was happening with vp records and that kind of stuff so um you know they put us together <laughs> <laughs> magic happened i think you know i think what's so funny is that i think it actually balanced i think it worked out for everybody because um as i said like for me i i don't know how to be anything but myself and so when when all of the madness did start i was just like i'm just gonna chill because this is <laughs> <laughs> this is wild you know so um yeah and you were the thing I liked with it. You were your authentic self. You didn't try to cover it up. You didn't try to fit in. You didn't try to distance yourself either. You tried to just be you. Charlemagne caught what was going on. Angelique caught what was going on. Dovey knew what was going on too. And everybody almost basically played their position. Yeah, I mean, you just have to. My thing is, is, is it don't make sense to try and and be something that you're not, especially in a in a setting like that. Mm -hmm. Um people are always going to see through lack of authenticity and they're going to know. So yeah, I just, I was, and I was, I think also I was in a very laid back mood that morning mm -hmm. because two things I, I was going for like days straight. I don't know how long, like maybe 10 days, just like every day, every morning we had something every morning. Da, 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 da. 
So um, I probably was a little bit, a little bit tired, which is fine. But then on top of that, I didn't get the type of coffee I really liked. Like I had coffee, but it wasn't like the coffee that I, that really wakes me up. Mm -hmm. So I was just also like, well, here we are. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, let's go. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking forward to going back for sure. I'm looking forward to joining them again. Um, you know, even just to talk about like the projects and the music and stuff. No, definitely def that's that's in the works great great look all right there so then that was you on your first run and then what i seen came out next was um the rock and groove rhythm there with you mm -hmm. Ila, savannah and everybody how did that come around because your first song came out of basically chronics camp so then now you're in protege's camp doing another set of music uh, so which then song, which song came out on chronics camp wasn't the first paradise plum wasn't that through um zinc fence I mean, oh, I see what you're saying. Well, it wasn't a camp thing. It wasn't, it was just me and Teflon mm -hmm. that collaborated, but it wasn't a camp. I, I'm not really in anybody's camp. No, I get that, just, but I know, just mean, right. no, I just mean as in, okay, this is where the products first was, okay, Chronics and these guys. And then the second project was like um, Protege and these guys here. As in, that's what I mean as in camp, not as you're part of that camp. You were just working okay. with people in that camp there yeah 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 sure sure i mean i guess because i see teflon as himself that's why like when i started working with teflon it wasn't uh it was just like teflon zinc fence boom mm -hmm. um but yeah sorry continue the question yeah the rock and groove how did that come up now now this being your second big move in the industry mm -hmm. well i i think you know what i really do think it started with so in february of 2019 i guess I performed on the Bob Marley, the Bob Marley birthday show. And I had asked Sev and Leela to come on stage mm. with me. Um, I think that's how it went. But like, hold on, let me think. Jeez on peas. <laughs> I can't remember now. But I think that's how it went. So basically, um, okay, two things had happened. I would have to Google it. Let me just Google something real quick. Give me a second. I'm trying to Google the timeline. <laughs> you're you're, you're fact-checking. I like that. Yeah, live from Kingston. That was 2018. So here's here's what happened. End of 2018, um, Protege and... Let me just fact-check something else. You need to work for Instagram. <laughs> All right, hold on. December. Aha. Here we go. So end of twenty end of twenty eighteen, right? There was this event that took place called Live from Kingston. Mm -hmm. And it was like myself, Savannah, Coffee, Leela, an artist named Yana I. We performed. So it was put together by Protege and Jason Panton, who's one of the founders of Dubwise. It is all female lineup dope show then i was performing on the bob marley show early 2019 february of course his birthday is february 6th and i had this cool idea i was like i think it would be dope if like sev and Lila like run up on the set and we just kind of like each person sang each other's song mm -hmm. and we did that from that point in time i think i started to look to say like wait there's these like females in reggae that something is happening mm -hmm. and i remember like we did a magazine cover for a local magazine and then all of a sudden the articles kind of started to focus on women in reggae, women in reggae, young women in reggae. 
and just the alliance that we have with each other. So then at some point in time in 2019, Diggy for protege was like, hey, nah, you know, I want to do a rhythm and I'd love for you to be on it. And, you know, sent me the song. I wrote something, sent it to him and then we recorded it. So it was just like, it was just like an organic kind of buildup. No, definitely big, big, big there because I remember yeah. even the performance um for Shawnee B, the rock and groove, just the way how right. I've seen all of you guys interacting, singing your own song, singing foundation songs, Dennis Brown, Greg Rice. It mm -hmm. was just such a cool vibe to see everybody just flowing and vibing and then mm -hmm. come back and do your own separate stuff by yourself. That was a cool vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that that was only just natural, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I think it's um those things you there's nothing you can do to control the outcome of that other than just showing up with the best intentions yeah. and and knowing that that will that will pay off you're 100 percent true and with that there now those two projects was more of your they sounded more traditional reggae even though they Definitely. had a more they had a 2020 2018 2019 update to them but it had more mm -hmm. traditional reggae and then now you and walshy fire <laughs> linked up and came up with something totally left field that sounds just as amazing my first question is how do you and walshy link up in the first place yeah man so um i've all i mean obviously like i've always known who he was i don't know if he always knew who i was but i already know who he was from time and um what had happened is I think one, first of all, somebody had invited me to come to a studio late 2019, I think. Yeah. And he was there. So it's like, yo, pass through the studio. So I went Kingston elite studio and, um, another producer was there. Her name is the wizard. And, um, yeah, we're just talking, talking. And she started to play something and I just started to sing. Like, I was just like, oh, this is dope. So then I just went in the booth and just voiced something real quick. So that happened, that happened. And then in um, 2020, as the pandemic started to set in and I had just released a song called Climbing around March, I think, March, 2020. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic started to really materialize and show itself to be what it is today. Like the world is locking down. So while she ends up in Jamaica, stuck, all the borders are closed. And he reaches out to me. He's like, yo, let's link up. And so me, him and the wizard, um, we were just talking and talking about music and type of sounds that we like and whatever. And we're like, let's just start going to the studio. Let's just start because what else are we going to do? Right. We can't just throw on and sulk. Mm -hmm. So we just, you know, recorded and hung out and, and all of us just started making music with no plan for it just yet. We just wanted to make what, what we felt. Um, and then after a while, I was like, I had to have a sit down with Walsh. I was like, yo, what are we going to do? Like, and he had, he always had ideas and he had pitched different ideas to me as to how he saw it unfolding. And then we actually sat down and had a real brainstorm session, wrote down the plan and you know, what is, how, how is this going to work? Like, what, what do we want to do? How do we want to disrupt the space? How do we want to change you know, the, the industry, not ch yeah, change the industry, but like what change do we want to make through what I'm doing? And all of that had happened. And, and so here we are today, you know, and, um, you know, so right now what we're doing is, is we're releasing singles that lead up to this mixtape. Right. And then, um, in the summer, I'm actually dropping, we're calling it an EP, but I just left 
I just wrote two songs in the last four days <laughs> that are just like, I cannot put them on the project. So it might be an album, to be honest. It really might be an album. And I'm not, a, I mean, I don't, I don't have any reason to be afraid of that either. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think I want it to be an album because at first I had six songs and I needed a seventh. I just knew I needed like a seventh. Mm-hmm. Found a seventh song. And then the next day, a next song come in. I was like, all right, we're going to do an album. Okay, about a music, <laughs> and, music for run. And that's what it is. Once it's in you, it's in you to give, especially when you get an idea, you just want to get it out there and put it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm actually excited because I, yeah, because I'm just really excited about all of the music that, that I have. And um, I'm also excited to work with people that believe in doing things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, because you've heard energy, right? Mm-hmm. And I've definitely had people tell me like, oh, this song is such a pop song. Don't drop this song. Like, you're not going to make any money or nobody's going to care about it. Or nobody's going to play it. All this kind of stuff. And and, I, and you have to think about yourself, like how many, how many millions of people are in the world, right? And um, why would you, why would you not put out something that sounds great? Like it's a great song. You know what I'm saying? It's a great song. Why would you not do that? Because you think one set of people won't love it. That don't make sense. At all. Yeah. So, so I'm, I think more than anything, I'm just really excited to work with people. And, you know, especially with Walshie, like who doesn't see borders when it comes to my artistry and, and, and what music can do and where Caribbean music can go. Right. Because truthfully, we should be forerunners. I mean, thank God for Rihanna. Jesus, like, you know, she's such a cultural shifter. She literally shifts. Once she makes a move, everything follow her. But there should be more Rihanna's. Mm-hmm. There should be more Rihanna's out there. Um, and I think also Drake is doing a really great job too. Yes, he's from Toronto, but he's Jamaican heritage too. And But it's, it's just that like our music and what's coming out of our region as Caribbean people is, is in major label music, but it's we're not the ones singing it. And where you, you know kind of win now is you see with you, you have the real dialect. So then when you put the, when you're singing the R and B and then you put in the Patois, it's genuine. This is really, yeah. it's, it's not forced. So then this marriage of music really supposed to work. I think so. And, and that's, you know, so crazy. Like the last two songs I just mentioned, they're both kind of R and B vibes, mm-hmm. but definitely I mash up certain type of words and stuff in there, but mm-hmm. it's not forced for me. And one of the other things that I don't want to do as a musician is overdo the patwa as well. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you might feel pressured to want to sound more whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you want the streets accept you and whatever. I just do what comes out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not going to try to pretend to be anybody but myself. And truthfully, as I said, because, because since I was very young, I used to pretend to <laughs> be a news reporter Mm-hmm. I know that I don't, I, 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 I know that I don't necessarily talk the street patois like, when, <laughs> you know, like I don't talk like that, you mm-hmm. see me, but every so often it, it come out, um, but I'm not going to force it either because mm-hmm. my experience is my experience and nobody can take that away from me. And, and, and that shapes everything that comes from me, how I speak, how I dress, what I do, the, you know? Mm-hmm. And and all of it is beautiful and all of it is valuable and all of it is worthy of, of being, of, of touching the world. Mm-hmm. So, and that's once again, another thing that I love about working with someone like Walsh, he sees those little unique parts of 
what I've been through and says, yo, put that in a song. Put that in a song. You know, use that in the music. Not, oh, calm down. Don't. You know, like I've had the same thing. I've had people be like, yo, don't, I want to talk, no matter show that or don't matter, you know, no matter jokey, jokey too much on your Instagram, you know, because re, re, and nobody do this, that, that, because you want people to take you serious and da, 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 da. I was like, I don't need nobody to take me serious. Mm-hmm. I'm betting on myself. Like that's me taking me serious. Straight good. You don't, you don't, you don't have to take me serious. You know what I'm saying? I take like, me serious. That's all that matters right now. The, the money will show if that I'm taking myself serious. That's the, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the music will show it. I don't need to. Like, what's the point? There's nobody that has achieved greatness in this world that has gotten anywhere far by focusing on what other people think. Mm-hmm. Can't name one of them. Can't name one of the greats that didn't do something that people told them not to do. Yeah. You know what? You're right. I got one one last question. Two last questions for you before I get you out of here. Okay? Your last single right now, your new single, Lucky Me with Runkus and uh, mm-hmm. Wizard. Wizard. Yes, very sexy. All right. Produced energy. by Wizard. Yep. Energy, very sexy, also, too. Okay. Produced cool. by Easy Beats. We know. Sorry, you know me. I have to the producer then. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And this is your media training, always talking to. So I get you. I understand. <laughs> All right. Very sexy, very secular. How does the influence of having legendary parents that's in the gospel world now affect your way of thinking when it comes to your craft, because you're still thinking of you as an individual, but you're still mm-hmm. thinking of your last name that you're carrying on to. How does, how do you balance that right there? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, two things. My parents were not always in gospel, right? For sure. Um, and you know, in a way, when I look back at my mom's old stuff, she was a sex symbol in her own right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that, you know, men, used to lust after her too, right? And um, so there's that. As it relates to me thinking about how what I'm doing might affect my last name or here's the thing. If once again, it goes back to the same principle that if I get hung up on what people are going to think, right? I know that my parents know that they've given me, uh, they've given me more than enough to to survive and to navigate this world um i don't think they ever worry about me tarnishing whatever that might mean um what i do know is important for me as a musician is to is to be true to myself and i'm a woman and i feel sexy and i embrace my sexuality i embrace what it means to be a woman who loves herself mm-hmm. right so there's if 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 I step into a studio and I feel like writing about that, I'm gonna do it. But sometimes I don't feel like writing about it, you know. So um, it's not really that much of an issue for me because remember, say our parents were not always our parents. For sure, right? <laughs> understandable. At the, yeah, at the end of the day, like my mom was once, you know, at a certain stage in her life too. My dad was once at a certain stage in his life too, right? Like I can pull up videos of him like smoking weed on stage right now. Mm-hmm. Press out of his mind. He's not going to hide it, mm-hmm. right? But he just says it's part of his journey. So I'm on my journey. Um, and so I also don't really feel the need to have to prove like, oh, I'm a rebel or not like that. I, as I said, like I, I just do what comes, you know? And, as I, and on top of that, as I experience more things in life, the more truthful I want to be in my writing, 
Mm-hmm. Because one thing I recognize is that at the end of the day, if I've been through something guaranteed, there's at least 10 more people that have been through that same thing. At least. For sure. Which means there's your audience right there. Find you know your tribe. You're always yeah, find your tribe. So, so I, can't, I can't focus on trying to craft a story that's not authentic to me or else I'll never find my tribe. Never will find my tribe. Great, amazing answer. I got a super random question for you. All right. Okay. One thing, tell me one thing that will always be in your fridge. There's this one thing that has to be in your fridge always. Oh, um, I pepper. I have like at least five different types of pepper sauces in my fridge. Okay. <laughs> and um oat milk. Yeah. So you like pepper, that. Pepper, but I actually have a quite I definitely have like, so yesterday I went by a friend's place. I, I had bought food on the road and, and she lived close by. I never want to get cold by the time mm-hmm. I reach home. So I call her and I say, yo, now come over and eat my food. <laughs> and as soon as I get in, I was like, do you have any pepper? Mm-hmm. And she had this little bottle of like a scotch bonnet sauce that had water in it. She's like, oh boy, I just ran out of pepper and I had to put water to stretch it. And I said, what? If you look in my fridge, I know. I would say like maybe six or six, just because I'll see a different brand. Because in Jamaica, we have so many different companies that make so many dope hot sauces, right? Mm-hmm. So like there's one, um, there's a company I really like called, um, oh my God, why is the name? I shot my video at their property. Mm-hmm. Um, why is the name slipping me? This is so embarrassing. Anyway, they have like a honey ginger hot sauce. They have a honey pineapple, you know, Belcore Lodge, sorry, Belcore Lodge is a small, a small family-owned business and they do sauces, them the jams and whatever. So I would just like see like a new type of hot sauce and I'm like, ooh, and then add it to my collection. So hot sauce and, and oatmeal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oatmeal for my coffee. Definitely. Well, we'll be looking forward to your project that should be coming out sometime this summer. I just Star girl. girl mixtape. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> a yellow star. Come on, we know this already. You know what I like about you? It seems like you almost... declare. You understand that? It it seems like you almost don't care about your image, but you really care about your image at the exact same time, if you understand. Well, here's the thing. I'm a Libra, and Libras are very much into aesthetic. Are you a Libra too? Nope, I'm Aquarius, but I understand the signs of... You're always trying to balance yourself there. Well, if you... So, like, other, other, other artists or celebs that are... Libras. So Kim Kardashian is a Libra. Mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian is always like put together like whoa. Mm-hmm. Shensia is a Libra, I think. Okay. Right? You can tell she likes nice things. She loves to look cute. Um Shaggy and I have the same birthday. Okay. Same. Yeah. So 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 with that said, it's like a Libra, you're balanced. So what it is is that like you're balanced in the way of not trying to please people too much. And being yourself. So so by being myself, it means I don't care what you think, but also because I like to look good, mm-hmm. I'm going to put myself together or like I'm going to put my image together because it matters to me, not because I want to impress you. Understood. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I've always, like, ever since I was a little girl, like I used to pre-plan my play clothes. <laughs> like literally, like when I came home from school, mm-hmm. I already knew what I was going to wear after I took off my uniform. Cause you have to put on different clothes. You take off the uniform and I put on like a specific fit, go outside, you know, do hood rat things with my friends <laughs> <laughs> and come inside and do my homework. But I used to like 
know what I wanted to wear just yeah. for play clothes. So I've just always kind of, that's always been my vibe. <laughs> Crazy. If they want to check out your music, anything coming up online, where leave some contact information where they could check you out. Yeah, man, just look, just any, any platform is Naomi Cowan, N-A-O-M-I-C-O-W-A-N. Thankfully, not too many other people have that first and last name. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just support, support. Please go on YouTube, especially leave comments on the videos. All of the visuals are there. Um, my Instagram is always there. I kind of play around with TikTok every so often, you know, um, but that's just more of a creative outlet for me. I don't really like push the music thing hard. It's just like vibes mm -hmm. and Facebook, of course, and Twitter. So yeah, I'm everywhere. I see you interact heavy on um, YouTube. You actually answer back your fans and you, you're very active on YouTube and that's very good. I try to, I mean, I think, sorry, let me just check the time. Okay. We'll have to probably run. But one, the last thing I will say is that the way I see it um, as best as I can, obviously you cannot reply to everybody, but when someone takes the time to leave a comment on something that you've created, that's them like giving back to what you put out there. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's currency. That's exchange of energy. You know what I mean? Um, but naturally sometimes people get to a point where they're not able to, mm -hmm. but at this point that I can, I will. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So I'll just carve out time. And so I'm just going to just go through all the comments and I love to see them. You know, because most of them are positive anyway, mm -hmm. you know, so exchange, pos exchange positivity with positivity. Why not? Makes total sense. Get us out yeah. of here with a piece of energy before we go. <clears throat> oh, sure. Come in a carry feelings. And if me care 21 times, 22 times a different dealings. Because ain't nobody in my light. And you know I'm fitting it right. Look how me cute and nice. You know I was your paradise. Look from when me I say you, I criticize and accuse everything we do. <laughs> Nobody with the ring, me not there with you. Invisible, yes, yeah. Bob, That's energy. Like, you understand. You understand. Listen, <laughs> Naomi, thank you so much. I love your vibe, your energy. It shows right through the screen the type of person you are. I've seen a lot of interviews with you, and it's basically the exact same person. Over and over. Oh, and thank over. you, thank you. thank you, thank you very much. But you know, this music thing is is my way of being myself, and so um, that's probably you know that's what I try to do yeah. to just drop all of the. I can't. I don't know if I can swear on here, but just drop all of the foolishness. Then we'll take it from there. Thank you so very so much. Oh no, the placement and something sure. foolish. Listen, let's not go there because we'll be here longer and you need to go. Let me give yes. you an outro and get you out of here. This conversation was great, Naomi. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle and this has been another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast. And we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.